Fuck. Shit. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. compadres and welcome back to zero credits the show where we talk about things me i'm henry me almo jan and together we're henry and jan john oh i'm sorry translated into english it's john i don't speak spanish neither do i good for you me llama how's your llama today uh it's all right yeah did you feed it oh no you didn't feed your day it doesn't exist Okay, well, how was your day, regardless of llama existence? It was alright. I got thrown into doing my actual job, which is fun. Oh! Terrifying. Oh, I thought it was fun. Uh, Fun and terrifying. Things can be two things. So you're playing, it's like playing volleyball with a shark. Yes, exactly. Alright. Is it like, is it like working for shark? Yes. Alright, you're working for one shark. Well, yeah, because two sharks can't work together. My boss is actually a shark. Yeah, his, his office is a tank. Like a military tank? Yes. Wow. He is a shark in a tank. He is a shark in a tank. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. In a tank. A shark in a tank in a tank? Because, don't be ridiculous, a shark can't breathe air. You're right. They so filter air out of the water using their gills. So it's in a shark tank in a tank. It's a shark tank tank. 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 What the hell? How was your day? Uh, we're really busy because this is our last week open for the summer and everyone's flooding on in like sharks in a tank. Is it because they procrastinated? Uh, either that or it's just because assignments tend to be due at the end of the semester. Weird. Yeah. You'd think they'd make everything due in the middle and then just kind of let you do whatever for half a semester. Well, I mean, the the thing about the word finals is... (coughs) Did you just cough? Yes. Did you just cough on my podcast? How crazy would it be? Okay, so we we ascribe meaning to basic human function. So if people yawn when you tell a story, oh, you're bored. But you coughed, so you were violently upset. <clears throat> you just coughed. You agreed. You cough greed. Listen, I'm sick. That's going to happen a lot. Oh, man. I thought we were going to hide that. No, I think our listeners can know I'm sick. But just please listen to this on speakers and not headphones because i don't want to get you ear sick yeah here's the thing uh whenever john coughs he coughs directly into the microphone without any regard for who licks it after the the podcast is over hey what you do in your house is that your house wait you're the one who licks the microphone did i imply it was me yes oh no it was you because if i There wouldn't be a conflict of interest if I were to cough in it and then lick it. Closed system. Oh, I just misinterpreted things. I thought there was a conflict of interest. There was not. Oh, well, have a good lick. There was a cough lick of interest. Whackity schmackity do. What a garbage podcast this is. Finish talking about your day. You didn't ask me about my day. I did. I don't remember that. Tell me again. People are flooding into the writing center. I did say that, didn't I? Assignments are due at the end of the semester. Yeah, it's super important. There are sharks. Yes. Do you have any hope for the people that you're teaching, tutoring? Are Uh, you a tutor? I'm a tutor. Mm. A tutor. 
How's that War of the Roses treating you? Swimmingly, much like a shark. Now, uh, here we go. Do I have any hope for the people I... Yeah, of course I do. Okay. I hope they genuinely take my advice into consideration and transform my advice into award-winning movies. Ooh, that'd be nice. I know, I wish I tutored movies. You have, like, a notch in your belt? Be like, hey, this person I tutored, they went on to make The Shallows. Is that a... Which is a movie, I believe, about either a shark or an ocean ghost. <laughs> an ocean ghost? Wait, is, can it be an ocean ghost of a shark? It stops being a shark when it becomes a ghost. Oh. It becomes an ocean ghost of a shark. An ocean ghost of a shark. In parentheses, of a shark. Now, uh, one thing I will say is I've been talking literally all day, so my voice is very tired. <laughs> I am sick, so my voice is very tired. Tired voices. Can a mummy have a ghost? No. Okay. Because the mummy is already the remains of the person, right? Yeah, but ghosts are like... The energy? Yeah. No, because the energy that would re- that would make a ghost is going into reanimating the remains. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, you can't become a ghost if you don't have a heart. Speaking of... Here's something I was thinking about today. Uh, not having a heart? No, I think about that every day. Oh. So what I was thinking about is, don't you think it's interesting that movies are so rarely propelled by curses nowadays? I feel like a good, wholesome curse used to be a a very important part of the movie-making process. Look at movies like, uh, I don't know, Yes Man, for example, which I believe has a curse. Wait, did Yes Man really have a curse in it? I mean, he could only say yes, and I believe he was cursed. Did you see that movie? Years ago. I never saw it, because I thought it was too much like Liar Liar. I believe Shallow Hal had a curse. That was a curse. See? Where did all the curses go? The 90s ended. Why were we okay with curses in the 90s? No, it wasn't that we were okay with them, it's just that... We still believed in the power of an old hag's curse mm-hmm. in the 90s. Around, around, I, I mean, I didn't <coughs> want to get political, but around 9-11, Uh-oh. we stopped believing in curses and started believing in a little country called America. I can understand that. Yeah. But, I mean, America's cursed. Well, yes. The whole fucking thing's built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Millions of them. (laughs) So we're cursed as fuck. We are the most cursed country. Even more cursed than the country that gave us witches. Europe. The country of Europe. You know, it took a long time for that European witch curse to kick in, but... Oh, but see, they're trying to fix it with Brexit. (laughs) Turns out that was the real motivation behind Brexit. See, in my mind, Brexit was the the curse coming to fruition. And someone's just stumbling through a forest and they find a tiny grave that says Brexit on it. And they're like, no! The hubris! <laughs> they dig up the grave and it's just like the entire like bill packet of <laughs> just all of Brexit. <laughs> and so what happened was they found this and they brought it to the government and the government was like, we've got no choice. We have to Brexit now. And then the government went down into a basement and Boris Johnson was like facing a wall and they were like, Boris! Then the movie ends. Oh, man. Ghost I... called Brexit. <laughs> okay, so what would a modern day curse movie be about? Give me any modern movie. and Here's the thing. I bring this up because I think that curses are essentially the perfect narrative device. All right. 
Give me any modern movie and I can tell you where a curse would come in. Alright, I'm going to give you Birdman. Birdman? Yeah. So, okay, we set the scene. Starts exactly the same way. Michael Keaton, upset with his life. He used to be a superhero actor. Now he's acting in this kind of meta play. Yeah. And he has these, uh, these visions of himself as a superhero. These delusions of grandeur. One day, he's walking outside of his Broadway theater apartment building... And he knocks over an old woman. And the old woman expects an apology. So she's cowering, as old crones tend to do. And Michael Keaton says, I have no time for you, old woman, for I search for ethos. And then he walks away. Close up on the old woman, she's crying. Her face is downcast. And then it like goes up to the sky and vibes start playing. And that goes to the next day and he wakes up and he doesn't feel right for some reason. And then he is cursed to uh, to live out this play where he is dissatisfied with his life. Wouldn't that have happened even without the old crone? Yeah, but it would have been so much more digestible by an audience. Especially if right before the end, the, the old crone is shown, you know, pushing her shopping cart through the harsh winters of New York Broadway. And... She looks to the camera directly and then says, Also, Michael Keaton, your life shall end in a thoroughly ambiguous way, and you will not know what it means when Emma Stone, your daughter, smiles. I don't... I I see one problem with the old crone curse motif. Yeah. It's boring. Is it? Yeah. No. Because I was thinking of like, okay, I'm going to ask for another example but you would just do the same thing no, that no, you no. did. Here's the thing. I think it's fine. Whatever. All right. All Bravo right. for what they did with Birdman. Okay, okay. Well, then, to demonstrate my point, yeah. I'll ask you to do another movie. Okay. Or you can pick a movie if you feel. No, challenge me. All right, I'll challenge you. The Revenant. The Revenant. Yes. Okay, this one, so easy. All right. Unbelievably easy. All right. It already has a curse in it. It does? It does. It does? Yeah. What? Look at all those ancient Native Americans. A lot of them died. Oh my god. Some of them have a curse on them somewhere. Okay, no. You can't lump America's general super curse into this one movie. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is the most American man in that movie. Is he... Okay, is he cursed or is it Tom Hardy? No, Tom Hardy isn't cursed. Tom Hardy's not cursed. Nah. He's the one who does the thing in the movie. Yeah. But he's not the star. A curse is wasted on a character who isn't a protagonist. It's classic curse logic. Alright, so walk me through the curse event. Okay, so the curse event happens when... Okay, and you're gonna love this, right? Leonardo DiCaprio, as the Revenant, is walking through the forest, you know, unawares. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And then he he sees this rustling off in the distance. He sees a rustling? He hears it and then he sees the rustling. Right. The rustling of the underbrush, as they call it. And he sees these two bear cubs. And he's like, those bear cubs are dumb. Whatever, I'll leave them alone. But what he doesn't realize is that they were hungry. So then, when the bear witch comes out, it imparts a curse on him with... It's accursed teeth and claws. And it sinks its cursed teeth deep into him, cursing him 
to live forever Wait. with really dry lips and gross wounds. Hold up. Is the bear witch just a giant mom bear? It's a bear witch, and those are its children. <laughs> You're just describing the literal plot of The Revenant. But if it was a witch... <laughs> would the bear speak? No. Then I mean, how would we know? That would be too obvious. How would we know it's not a bear witch Look, already? Alejandro Inaritu would not make the super obvious choice of making the bear speak or in any way obviously a witch. Alright, alright. One more. Okay. One more movie. One more. The Harry Potter series. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, man. That was actually really hard. Yeah. Here's how it starts. I know how Harry Potter starts. Okay, here's how it starts. You have this kid, Daniel Radcliffe. Alright. Also known as Harry Potter. Alright. And he lives with his grandparents, right? Right. And he's like a motorcycle baby. Okay, wait. <laughs> I, I'm totally lost now. So, a motorcycle brought him to these people. A motorcycle? They're like his aunt and uncle. Yeah, flying the... motorcycle. Because of safe haven laws in Britain... If you drop a child off with a motorcycle, the people who open the door have to take it. Okay, wait, hold up. Yes. <laughs> the, you're changing how the how it starts? Ha, wait, how so? Well, where's Hagrid? Riding the motorcycle. You didn't Riding the flying you, motorcycle. You didn't mention him. Yeah, but that I didn't want to spoil it. That happens later. It's revealed later that he was riding the motorcycle. All right, all right. So he drops this baby off, and they open the door and like, oh, a baby. So they raise the baby. And the baby grows up and starts getting a lot of mail, which is really inconvenient for these people. Because they don't like mail. They don't like mail. They hate mail. And why would a baby get so much mail? Doesn't make any sense. I thought you said the baby grew up. Yeah, it's still a baby. I mean, he's like 11. (laughs) Okay. And then the baby, like, starts looking through the mail a lot. And then an owl flies in and the owl starts attacking the aunt and the uncle. And the, the baby doesn't stop it. Okay. So then the aunt and the uncle, who are both powerful witches, curse Harry Potter to go to a a bullshit wizard school, which is where bad witches go. Wizard school is like witch hell. Okay. So then he has to live out the rest of his days in in wizard witch hell. Alright. Also, Hagrid is a witch. You you haven't convinced me that this, this weird curse plot point is actually good for movies. Okay. I mean, I... Whatever. People have different feelings about things. Alright. But you will admit that it's the strongest narrative device you've ever encountered. No. It's bulletproof. How? You can't not... You you can never say a curse was a bad idea. Alright, here's a story. Okay. There once was a baker who lived in an old village in Eastern Europe next to a forest. Okay. And he would bake. He would... He would make bread and cupcakes and cakes and bread and and one day before he closed up an old woman comes into his shop and the old woman says give me a dozen of your finest breads and so the baker is like all right and he he gives her a dozen of the finest breads and the old lady goes mm, no i said a dozen you have given me too little, and for that I curse you in the name of my sweet demon lord. And the baker's like, what? No, I gave you twelve, I gave you a dozen. And before he could like say that, the old woman walks out of the shop. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the next day, the baker's bread won't rise, and the oh, cupcakes no. won't cup, mm-hmm. and all of his sweets are, like, not sweet. They're bitter, and they're sour, and his customers are like, what the hell is this, Jim? We want breads and sweets, and, and by God, we will get them from Jeff down the road. Who's Fucking got, Jeff. Who, who's, like, not really a baker, but, like, bread appears at his place. Mm-hmm randomly yeah and so uh the the beggar's like what what the hell and ugh, man that old crone must have cursed me or whatevs Mm -hmm. and so the old crone comes back that night before he closed and she's like "Mm, you want to give me a dozen of whatever you have left don't you and the baker was like uh yeah i do and so like he was about to give her just another dozen but then he figured what the hell? I'll put one more in. And the old crone goes, That's I asked for a dozen, and this is now a dozen! I lift the curse from your face! Mm-hmm. And uh, so she went on her way, and that's why a baker's dozen is 13. Checks out. Yeah. I think that works. Yeah. You know, there was a time, an ancient Greek philosopher, he set down a stick in front of a mass of people, and he said, Is that stick a dozen? And they said, no, it is not. So he put down a second stick. And he said, is this stick a dozen? And they said, no, it's not. And he continued to, d- to put down sticks in this way. And then he put the twelfth stick on. And he said, is that stick a dozen? And they said, yes. End of story. That's how we ended up with a dozen. Oh, really? Yes. Is that true? No. Okay, mine was true. Oh, this one's actually true. Oh, no, mine was true. Okay. Yeah, that old crone. That old crone, you know who that was? Uh, Albert Einstein. Nice. Yeah. Man, Albert. That, that baker? Nikola Tex- Tesla. Nikola Kidman. Okay. I think curses had a place in our storytelling past. Mm-hmm. But as we move on, we're not going to see a sudden spike in curses unless you and I make a movie. A movie about curses? A movie with a curse in it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Really, though, curses are just the. Are just used for irony's sake. Yeah. Curses are just funny now. Are we that much more enlightened? Has the internet taken away our genuine fear of curses? Probably. I mean, no one calls them... (coughs) No one calls them curse words anymore. They call them cuss words. Oh, so wait. If we make a movie where someone is cussed... God damn it, Fantastic Mr. Fox did that already. Yeah, and I don't know what cuss means. Fuck. It's not a word. Is it not? No. Really? I always thought cuss was like a weird shorthand for curse. Mm -hmm. Because on its own, I don't know what a cuss is, but I know what a curse is. When I was a kid, I believed that there was a difference between curse words and swear words. Okay. And I thought curse words were like, damn and crap. But swear words were the more heavy. Were like the ones you couldn't say, like fart. No. <laughs> oh man, I'm. I don't know. This has just been a thing forever. I hate the word cuss. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I like the word curse. Yeah, because curse curses words, are real, and they're curse words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Okay, I'm glad we covered that. So wait. So there are curses in modern day film. 
Wolf of Wall Street said fuck more time than any other true <laughs> film. So that's that one's full of curses. Well, Wolf of Wall Street actually has a curse in it. Oh. You see that thing with the candle? Classic curse thing. I've never seen the movie. It's alright. You should see the big short instead. I saw the big short. It's good, right? That part with the, the girl in the tub? Classic cursing. Classic curse. Alright. It's a good movie, though. We might have talked about curses a little much. Alright, let's talk about something else. What else is there to talk about? I brought up curses. This is quid pro quo, tete-a-tete. Yeah, but see, I brought up everything else, so it's time for you to to make do on your promise. Okay, so here's something I was thinking about. What were you thinking about, Jonathan? How cool is it that people can, like, forage for food? Also, my name is not Jonathan. Don't misinform the listeners. I'm sorry, Jontifer. So, forage for food. Yeah. I was, uh, I was watching this YouTube video. I've been watching a few YouTube videos about cooking in the 18th century and so building about, like, survival. Urban foraging? Something like that. Where you can, like, eat that mushroom that's growing on the sidewalk? Uh, people go out and they harvest, like, wine berries and stuff that Ooh. grow very close to their homes. Okay. And, uh... I don't know, there's this massive barrier between us and our food such that we are terrified of, like, going outside and grabbing food off of something and eating it. Because we should be, because most of those things aren't edible. I mean, I think there might be a little disconnect between people who don't own a garden Mm -hmm. and people like us who live in shitty apartments. Mm -hmm. But, um... Because, like, if you own a garden, you're not afraid of going out and getting something to eat because you grew it. Yeah. But if you're, if, like, we had to go out and, like, actually, like, find sustenance in the wild, yeah, I don't know my, I don't know what the difference between a plant and a vine and a weed is. I'm just going to eat the grass. I guess if you could learn that, you'd be so much more empowered to say, oh, I can eat this thing that grew in nature and it's just here for me to eat. Yeah. That would be great. I mean, because it's not like all berries are good. Because mm-hmm. some berries are bad, like hemlock berries. Yeah. Those are terrible. And I mean, some like some small roots and weeds are fragrant spices that have health benefits, and some of them are bad, bad, bad for you to eat. Yeah. Uh, I think there's an app out that actually, like, if you take a picture of a plant and identifies it. That sounds very scary. Why? Maybe I just don't trust computers enough. Why would you not trust computers? You take a picture of it, it's like, oh, it's a delicious raspberry, and you eat and you puke. That'd be awful. Well, that's just because you're allergic to raspberries. Your com- the computer in your pocket has zero accountability to your health. Well, you can look up, if you can identify a plant, mm-hmm. you can then look up the plant elsewhere, like on like just Googling the plant and True. see, is the plant I'm holding... Does that look like what this app told me it looks like? I guess I'm not giving people credit for doing the due diligence. I imagine they'd just be like, this looks about right. And that's the general public, I suppose. But if you're in a situation where if you're looking up what a plant is to see if you can eat it, I think you'd look for more than one source. Oh yeah, for sure. Also, how do we have a cell phone if we're reduced to like having to go forage for food ourselves? Hiking, I uh, guess. You don't have service on that mountain. You didn't. I, didn't. I do. No. I got that Ting. I don't know what Ting is. What's Ting? It's a wireless service. Oh. Apparently has good service. On mountains? I think people have a fundamental disconnect between, like, what they eat and what they see in everyday life. Yeah. Because food's really simple. Food just happens. And I'm not saying everyone should go out and forage their own food, because that's dumb and you'll die. But... 
the fact that we see nature as this thing that we can't interact with or eat or gain any benefit from it's just this thing kind of sucks it might have also something to do with where we live because on one of those hikes up a mountain we found a wild strawberry plant Ooh! and our guide said if you could find one of these in bloom like with fruit it's the sweetest strawberry you might have ever tasted oh that'd be amazing so here's the thing Mm -hmm. that implies she's tasted one yeah so i don't think there's a disconnect like if you're in nature i don't know if that disconnect is like quite as strong yeah i mean we are city slickers yeah we slick the cities and we are surrounded by rattlesnakes and uh lugaroos yeah plus there's also coyotes and oh man i I think i saw an armadillo the other day oh fuck you saw an armadillo it was alive those motherfuckers will give you leprosy and they'll stab you with their knives yeah, they have little leprosy knives. Man. Wait. What? Total tangent. What are those things in Final Fantasy? The little green guys with the knives? Uh, tonberries. Yeah. Tonberries are also the sweetest in nature. Yeah. Why did you need to know that right now? I don't know. Something about it I needed to know. What? Uh, one of my clients today was getting her wisdom teeth out two hours after our appointment. Ooh, at uh, the end of the semester... Bad time to get your wisdom teeth out. Yeah, but you need all that wisdom you can get. She wasn't in for school stuff. Oh. She was uh, working on applications. Okay. And uh, (laughs) she happened to mention that she's vegan and someone she knew... She was excited because someone she knew found a way to make a mashed potato dish out of cauliflower. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Here's the thing, though. Why? Mashed potatoes (laughs) are... You can already eat mashed potatoes. See, when, uh, there is this prevailing notion, generally speaking, when people go vegan, they're pretty health conscious, and there's this prevailing notion that potatoes are antithetical to health, even though they're broadly nutritious in a lot of really key ways. They're like a, almost a perfect food in terms of nutrients and starch. Yeah, just, just don't fry the shit out of them. Potatoes are great and cheap. Yeah. You can eat a very balanced diet if your staple starch is potatoes. Just follow the three things you can do to potatoes. Boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Boil them, mash them, boil them, mash them, boil them, boil them, boil them. You don't remember that? Man, there was a thing on the internet for a while where people would like remix famous things from movies and turn them into shitty little songs they're taking the hobbits to isengard they're taking the hobbits to isengard that's the one yeah to isengard to isengard they're taking the hobbits to isengard man all these things on the internet will be lost in time like tears in rain a a lot of things from the internet have already been lost in time bit rot yeah see i don't know what that is bit rot is the the idea that things stored digitally still decay yeah and i mean even then if something decays from the human imagination if people can't readily call to memory something and look it up it's dead pretty much no one will host a thing people don't want to see it's like this one tribe of indian says your life is composed of three deaths your first death is the day that you're born for you start dying your second death is when you die your body is dead your third death is the last time your name is uttered or mm. then your memory has died very grim very accurate yeah a lot of shit's been forgotten a lot of shit man let's bring it back so i watched the movie lucy and i know this isn't what what did you watch 
Okay, you can talk about how, how it sounded, by the way. If we're not talking about what did you watch, you can talk oh. about how it sounded. Uh, but so I watched the movie Lucy, and the premise of that is she accidentally like gets a drug that unlocks the other 90% brain capacity of our brains. That's Dumb. a total misnomer. Dumb. We, we don't use just 10% of our brain. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, in the world of this movie, she unlocks the, the other capacities. And uh, at 20%, she remembers her birth. Oh. She can remember her birth, everything she felt. She can remember literally everything about her life. Mm-hmm. And... That petrified me. I think it's okay. Like, I think forgetting things, it happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if we remembered every moment of our lives, wouldn't we get anything done? I think if we remembered every moment of our lives, that wouldn't be a superpower. That would be debilitating. Yeah, I think it, you would do this weird thing, like in that Black Mirror episode, where, like, you could record your memories. Mm-hmm. You just go back to Saint, like, events over and over again to see what you could have done differently mm-hmm. but without time travel it wouldn't make any difference i mean it's the it's the thing where the brain preferent preferentially saves things that are worth saving like the things we forget fastest are unpleasant experiences pain we forget pain very quickly but we do latch on to these memories you latch on to the bad memories more so than you do good memories mm-hmm. like you know when you're sleep trying to go to sleep at night and you remember that really embarrassing thing you did in high school yeah and that keeps you up forever but i do think we do have a capacity to more readily recall positivity than negativity yeah but i mean definitely negative things come up but i never remember them as fully as i remember good things yeah and I mean, pain is lost instantly. Like, I can remember moments in my life where I undoubtedly felt excruciating pain. But the actual pain fades. Yeah, like, I remember, oh, that hurt. But I cannot remember what it even remotely felt like. Okay. Like, getting a nail through your foot. It's like, I know that that hurt a lot. And that's all I can remember, because my brain's like, it's useless to remember how much this hurt. Just remember that it hurt. I can see that. Um, yeah, the, the brain selects what is best for you to remember and it files it away and then over time you know it layers it folds on and on itself mm-hmm. the more memories have the harder it is to access it but it's all still up there yeah but the fact that we can't just recall it on a whim i think is a good thing because it allows us to be brave or just <coughs> ignorant enough to just keep forging ahead as though we know what's best for ourselves mm-hmm and I mean, self-deception is a form of self-therapy. Exactly. The more you lie to yourself, the more you believe it. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. If you have to lie to yourself to get through the day, it's better to believe that lie than to believe the truth, because the truth can destroy you. We come back to our, our time-honored axiom here. Yes. Fake it until you make it. Fake it until you make it, fellas. Lie to yourself until it's the truth. Yeah. And I honestly think that sounds like real shitty advice. But I really believe it. Forget all the 90s, like, PSAs and special episodes that said it's best to be yourself. Is yourself the version of you that you want to be in the future? No. Then don't be yourself. Be someone else. Work at being a person that, like, you would want to be. (laughs) Stop coughing on my podcast. I can't help it, I'm dying. But I mean, you'll never be the person you want to be if you stay the person you are. Exactly. And I think with that little bit of advice, we should probably hit the brake train. I mean, we could do that. Let's do that.
La, 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 pa, pa. There's a few messages coming up and then a break. And then after the break, we'll continue. And then this is what we're going to do after the break. It's going to be good. Oh, John. Oh, Henry. I expected to find you here on the couch. That's where I live. Because that's all you do. Yeah. Is sit on this couch. Yeah. John, don't you know that there are apps designed to get you on the go? What? Yes. A app? An app. Like on a phone? On a phone. But I just look at videos on my phone of people sitting on couches. Well, that's dumb. Here, look at this. It's a Pokemon Go. What? Pokemon Go? Yeah. I love to play Pokemon, but every time I do, I just sit on this couch. Well, now you don't have to. Now you actually have to move to go get Pokemon. Okay, wait, the servers are down. Not anymore. They fixed it. The oh, it's fixed. The servers have been up for a week straight. Yay! Yeah. Now how do I do it? How? What's your level now, John? One. Oh my, I can't. You're level one? Yeah. You're only level one? Yeah. How long have you been playing? Like five minutes. Oh, I'm you just you What, just handed what me the team phone. are you on? Uh, team Instinct. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this is. This, guy, is this can okay? I get another co host or something? Can, can, I, I can't work with this anymore. I, this hurts my feelings. You know, if only there was some way to flash forward a week into the future in this commercial. Zorb. Oh, John, I see you're still on this couch. Yeah. Uh,. Alright, you've had the app for a week. Uh, what level are you? Two. You've had the whole that you've had it for a whole week. Yeah. How, how are you only level two? Sometimes a venonat shows up and I catch it. You haven't moved from the couch still? Yeah, I didn't know what no, I was supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and find stuff. Man, if only there was some way to fast forward a week to see what my progress is like after this lesson. Zorb. John, you're you're still on the couch. Uh, hey, how's it going? I'm doing all right. What level are you? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yeah. What? Yeah, thirty-two. How'd you do that? I uh, I went outside. Nice. And I saw some guy smoking, and he was playing Pokemon Go. Yeah. So I hit him in the back of the kneecaps, and I took his phone. Oh, so you're not level thirty-two. That guy is. No, I am now. I have a ride on. Okay. Uh... Well, I choose um, you. I didn't hear any of this. There's no record of it. Uh, play Pokemon Go. Do you want his ATM card? No. What ads? Oh man, those ads were some of my favorite. Getting steamy. Yeah, they were really hot. Those Steam ads. Steamy ads. Hey. Hi, John. You know what else is steamy? What's steamy, John? What's did you watch? Wait. Before we do that, yeah, I forgot to do something in the last half. No, you can keep this in. Okay, let's keep it in. John. What? What are we doing? Oh, what are we doing? What did you watch? Oh, uh, what did you watch? What? Did. You. Watch. What, what did you did watch? Watch. Jessica Gordon-Levitt. Jessica Gordon-Levitt. Hey, it's, no. So what did you watch, Henry? Oh, I have a number of things I could pick from. <laughs> yes. But you know... I'm going to do something I should have done a long time ago. What? I'm going to recommend everyone watch BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman? Yes. What's that? It's a show about a horse. Yeah. In a world where animals are anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized? Anthropomorphized? Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. It's a hard word. Anamorphic. Yeah. Anamorphs. Anamorphs. They're anamorphs. 
Uh, so pe- animals walk around on two legs and they talk human speech and all this other stuff. And this one famous horse, played by Will Arnett, was on a TV show in the 90s. And he's washed up since then. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to deal with this whole thing of being famous once and not being famous anymore. Okay. It's a pretty good uh, show. So, uh, any other people I'd recognize on that? You got Allison Brie. Allison Brie? From Community. Brie Larson? No. Allison, oh, Allison, Allison Brie. Brie. The one who is, well, they look... They look different, but similar. She's the new Captain Marvel, right? That's Brie Larson. Oh. Not she... the one from Room. Okay. So, Allison Brie. Okay. Uh, you've got your favorite Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins? He's in it. Wait. My favorite Paul F. Tompkins? Because I have a few. I have a few favorites. No, no. I meant, like, just your favorite actor, Paul okay. F. Tompkins. Okay. And uh, a lot of guest stars, uh, they, they make, like, celebrity jokes. And more often than not, the celebrities are playing the joke versions of themselves. That's pretty good. And in season two, they get J.D. Salinger. Really? Man, he's a hard get. It turns out he's he wasn't he faked his death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fa- that's fairly widely known. Uh, a thing I like about this show is that the continuity between episodes is really strong. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are things that are like jokes or that are one-off jokes that continue for the entire run of the show i mean that's a that's a rare thing in any medium especially cartoons yeah and i will say the first episode is extremely weak and not at all representative of the show as someone who has seen that first episode i would agree it is gotta be the worst pilot <laughs> i i've seen pretty much ever but i think it's like it's a, it's an the whole episode itself is kind of like an anti-joke about animated comedies. Huh. Because, like, it, it's the only way I can make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Why would they do, like, a cutaway-style joke show like Family Guy if they weren't going to do that for the rest of the season? That seems like an easy way to turn people off from your show. And it is. I've met tons of people who don't like the first episode and they didn't continue. Mm. And I'm, I have to tell them, you gotta go back. It becomes less of a comedy and more of a dark drama and it's great. Uh, full disclosure, I have seen the first season of this show. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. The places that first season goes are unbelievable. And it only goes lower from there. Good. Uh, the reason I'm recommending recommending it now is because season three just dropped on netflix last week Mm. and uh season three has some of the strongest like episodes i've seen from the series thus far Ooh, there's a whole episode that has basically like one scene of dialogue and then the rest of the episode is this weird quasi silent film type thing that's very atmospheric with its music and it's kind of like endearing and heartbreaking and great huh it's awesome. That that sounds like something you wouldn't see in cartoons. It's the fourth episode of the uh, the season. I for, I think it's called Fish Out of Water, mm. but it's really strong, really great, and I love it. I uh, I should watch it. Uh, also, as a companion to that episode, they do a flashback episode where every joke is about how it's 2007, and the entire cast knows that it's 2007. Like, there's a line. It's like 2007. Is that the time? I gotta put on my Ugg boots and get to work. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I like me some metatextual humor. It's it's really good. Uh, I cannot recommend Bojack Horseman enough. As a, 
a weird look at what Hollywood does to like damage people, mm. and then how those damaged people end up damaging themselves further. Mm-hmm. You, you always see like in the news <clears throat> stories about stars that are like they're relapsing on like drugs or something, and you know people ask, well, how does this happen? And it's this weird star centric culture that we keep propagating with Hollywood and and television, and nobody really like puts a critical lens on it because we don't want to see what it's really like Mm -hmm. and this does it through the the guise of a cartoon with horses that walk around on two legs the the first season from what i saw it does delve a little into how perverse the idea of fame is yeah which is enjoyable and like the struggles of like i want to be famous but i really don't you know Mm -hmm. i don't know i think it's a good show i think it's deeper than people give it credit for and it, I mean, it's billed as a comedy, but I don't know if it's all too funny for people who aren't in the industry. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a show that is the the definition of polarizing. Yeah, you know, people either really care about that show or really hate that show. And you know that I think that makes the mark of a good show. It's like you know Richard Nixon. People either loved him or they hated him, but he was still arguably a good president. Mm-hmm. He opened China. Watergate. Okay, that's... The one thing that anyone knows about Richard Nixon. He opened relations with China. Yeah. He also did some good social program stuff. Yeah. But all people remember is Watergate, so all people remember about BoJack Horseman is the one really bad pilot. Yep. Unfortunate. That's sad. Will Arnett needs more recognition for the actor that he is. Will Arnett is great. I saw Will Arnett in an ad for sci-fi's coverage of the San Diego Comic-Con, and I became very sad. Oh, why? Because he was riding like a dumb CG dragon and making jokes that were clearly written for him by someone else that didn't really fit his character. Yeah, I I really feel Will Arnett is strongest when he's more in control of his character. Mm -hmm. Like, I've watched Flaked, I've watched this, I saw the trailer for the Lego Batman movie. And I think when he's got more creative control, he's, he shines a little better. Yeah. By Good the, Batman voice, though. The trailer for the Batman movie looks funny. Good voice in general. Yeah. It looks funny. Lego things are weird, but that's neither here nor there. It looks funny. Yeah? Michael Sarah plays Robin. Oh, that's good. And Batman forgets that he's, like, adopted Robin. And <laughs> Wait. Does, uh... Who does Jason Bateman play? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Is he in that movie? No, but it would be great. He plays, uh... The Joker. Michael Bluth. Michael Berbiglia. No, Zach Galifianakis is the Joker. Weird. Yeah. Cool and weird. Yeah. I'm into that. I hope, I think he's gonna do like a, you know, an actual try at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I heard the laugh, and it sounded pretty good. I never saw the Lego movie, but I heard it was better than you would expect. The Lego movie is a really great film. I should give it a shot. I, I get offended when people call it a 90-minute commercial for Legos. I'm like, no, it was an actual film. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just my opinion. I mean, how can you make a 90-minute commercial for Lego that has a vehemently anti-capitalist message? It does? It's supposed to. They're supposed to be like an evil corporation or something? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> evil corporations are all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, buddy? Dying. All right. Well... I say Bojack Horseman, watch it, and you heard that straight from the horse's mouth. Oh, the Bojack horse's mouth. The Hojack's boar's mouth. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, the spoonerisms are funny. Uh, God. <laughs> you just found out about spoonerisms and now you're doing them all over the place. I mean, I'm not intentionally doing them. They just make me laugh. You didn't do Hojack Borsman on purpose? <laughs> not really. Really? I just kind of said whatever came out of my mouth. Here's uh, what I watched. What did John watch? I've watched the first four episodes of a little show called Stranger Things. I've watched the first two. Nice. 50%. Yay. Uh, first thing to get out of the way. What is with people and their uh, chosen way of enunciating? I don't know. People say the title of this show different ways every time I talk to them. Uh, ask me I to say, say it. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Some people... Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. There we go. That's right. But some people are Stranger like, Things. Yeah, some people say Stranger Things. Well, that... Like things that belong to strangers. I... Oh! Like Stranger's Things. Not even with the possessive. They just say Stranger Things. Like the things of Stranger. Well, see, I... I try to always pronounce it the way that i would pronounce it in the phrase stranger things have happened Mm -hmm. stranger things for me i say stranger things but it's weird not important it's super important let's fight about this but uh whatever we agree but it's a good show no we don't set in 1983 1983 yes it is uh ostensibly about the disappearance of a child named will you're right something Oh, Will Ivenhoff. Totally forgot his last name, but a, a child named Will disappears. I don't know if last names are all too important. True, but uh, this kid Will disappears, and there is a, it's... at least in the first few episodes, this, no spoilers, but there's a, uh, a lab with some kind of outbreak. I believe the first scene depicts that outbreak. It's a classic first horror movie scene where you see the scientist running away from the unseeable thing. Mm-hmm. And the camera work to make sure it remains unseen. Very nice. Oh, yeah. It, like, it, it sets up a really cool thing where it's like, I know this guy dies. And, like, the camera work is, like, I know it's going to be like a jump scare somehow. Mm-hmm. But they keep showing the, uh, the camera keeps focusing on that long hallway with the light flickering. I'm like... So it's got to do something with that light flickering or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it just totally surprised me because I didn't expect the monster to be where it was. Yep. Uh, the cinematography top to bottom in this, very good. Uh, the music is really good. Yes. Uh, a key part about it being set in the early 80s is that they have taken that to mean that they have full creative license to create this very dreamy, very vibey, ethereal, John Carpenter kind of soundtrack. Yeah. It's kind of John Carpenter meets uh, Nightmare on Elm Street a little bit with these like creeping melodies that are fantastic. And it's the, the music is also very modern. It's inspired by 80s music. It is this creeping John Carpenter kind of vibe, but it's almost synth-wavy. Yeah. It's, it's a very modern sound, like an aggressively modern sound sometimes. Like, just in the way that Twin Peaks had that weird, flowing, super, I don't know, flowery soundtrack, mm-hmm. this has a really, like, creeping synth-wave that just kind of weaves its way in and out of scenes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it always surprises me, because, like... I can hear it and I know it's coming, mm-hmm. but then it just hits like full force. It, it's fantastically done. And in addition to that, the music also borrows heavily from a catalog of music from the late 70s to early 80s. And maybe one of the most, uh, the 
maybe one of the most impressive uses of a bangles song i've ever heard is that should i stare should i go no it's a hazy kind of winter i think it's the end of episode two Ah, but the clash song should i stare should i go also used to great effect oh man that was a good scene it it was it was very good good series of scenes uh the show is and this is maybe the greatest thing i could say about the show it is a very very solid pg to pg 13 kind of horror movie in it's a horror movie as a as a television show plus it's a mystery it's it's combining a lot of things you know it's got nightmare on elm Elm street qualities but then it combines it with the goonies like Mm -hmm. it feels like this weird kind of like amalgamation of love letters to various 80s genres the uh and it surprises me because the directors and writers i believe on each episode tend to differ but it has this very strong cohesive narrative vision that people must have been so on board with and that's really hard to do especially considering you're selling this which really quick winona Ryder's in it oh yeah she is but it's a very hard thing to sell because it's essentially a children's mystery yeah it's a it's a mystery for children and teenagers and adults but it has a very juvenile bent to it. They're they're eleven year old kids, and fifteen and sixteen year olds, who are integral parts of this plot. Yeah, and they're not they're not glossed over. But it's also not a situation where you end up with a show that's ostensibly made for children, and adults are these immovable, unemotional, unemotional obelisks. You uh, you get all these characters that are really fully developed and interact in meaningful ways across generations yeah like the the things that the kids do affect the lives of everyone else in a really enjoyable way and the kids are great they're okay they're a real freaks and geeks crowd they're nerds they're super nerds i mean the nerds. show essentially starts with them playing D D. yes which great scene also, the fact that D&D is a theme throughout, fantastic. It is a theme throughout. Mm-hmm. I was afraid it was going to be abandoned after the first episode. But no, it actually plays into the characters. It plays into what's happening in the show pretty well. All right. And uh, really great characters. The The chief of police, Hopper, played by David Harbour, I think. Yeah. Really great. Great character actor that you never notice when he's in something, but when he's good, he's good. Yeah, the, the thing I noticed about this the show is that besides Winona Ryder, there's not really a lot of big names in it. There's essentially no big names. Yeah. Um, David Heaton, I think his name, he plays uh, Mike's older brother. He's been in a few uh, things. Okay, him. Yeah, he's been in a few things. I know it's such an enjoyable show for portraying something that you never see in contemporary horror, which is a, a series of unique ideas, but played almost totally straight. Yeah. It's the fact that... It shows you its hand straight away. It's this is a mystery, and we're showing you what we're willing to show you. And it has some very dark undertones. the The story at the point I'm at will go very dark places. Oh wow! Unapologetically, and that's fine. Okay, but I appreciate that they're willing to artfully pull punches and and work within a medium. It's almost the antithesis of something like the current season of mr robot okay which i'm not caught up on well i haven't seen much but i saw an episode from the most recent season and mr robot exists in a frame that only allows it to do so much and it overreaches so you get a lot of bleeped out curse words yeah 
But if you go back to something like Stranger Things, it's within the Netflix umbrella. It can do whatever it wants, but it chooses not to. It chooses to end at a line to keep a cohesive vision. And I mean, whatever, this show might turn into a horrible gore fest, which would be fun, but I just don't see it doing that. It has a very specific kind of Steven Spielberg kind of quality to it. Yeah, okay, so, like, in my head I've been sort of comparing it to things as we've been talking. Mm -hmm. Super 8 meets Goonies meets Poltergeist meets the 80s. Yeah. Um, But what I've kind of felt happening throughout is it an underlying stephen king vibe as well oh yeah there's a there's a lot of stephen king influence and in fact maybe that's it's somewhere between steven spielberg and stephen king it lays somewhere in between because the threat in that show is no joke terrifying yeah it is imaginative and very scary it does things that are really awful yeah but it it manages to to portray everything with a wholesomeness that's kind of like a Steven Spielberg kind of thing. Whereas Stephen King can kind of let loose of humanity and just let things be gross for the sake of being gross. Well, yeah, he can, but then there's also that one story about the four kids who find a dead body on the train tracks or whatever. I'm not sure I've read that one. I haven't either. Oh. But I've seen Family Guy's reproduction of it. Oh. And, uh, and, um... You know, it, it, I'm, that's the vibe I'm sort of getting from, a, you know, like a childhood adventure. Uh, four kids on an adventure, and, like, they find something that surprises them. Only in this case, it's four kids trying... Three kids trying to find the other kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to like what they find. Yeah, probably not. Um, also, really enjoy that this show plays with a lot of the things that we've come to expect from your average television mystery. It, uh... It really has this sense sometimes that it's going to string you along like a lost would. Or like a Twin Peaks did for a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gives this feeling of this kind of unknowable vagueness that TV kind of has. And then it shows you something that solves a part of the mystery unabashedly. There are still questions, and there are bigger questions than before. Because, man, you should watch the third episode. I'm going to. But it, uh... It's a really surprising, really refreshing show. So, like, here's the thing. Writing for television, you need the pers- you need your viewer to tune in next week. Mm-hmm. And you need the viewer to tune in to get the ad money, to, to sell the ads, whatever. To propagate the whole machine. Mm-hmm. On something like Netflix, where they, they kind of dump the entire season at one time, you don't necessarily need to write for the person to view the next episode. So, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to... You can reveal part of the mystery. Yeah. And not in like something like a season finale or like a special episode where they do that. You can just drop it anywhere you want. Like there's more freedom in writing for a non-commercialized service, I think, than there is writing for for Netflix. And I mean, maybe that was it's something I've definitely lost touch with, but something I was very excited about when Netflix started making original programming because you'd see that episodes weren't of a uniform length yeah. because they didn't have to be. Yeah, which also means that they can. Netflix is interesting to me because it is a distribution platform ad infinitum. Yeah. Because something that has been released on Netflix will always exist on Netflix if it's a Netflix original, most likely. Barring some crazy legal brouhaha that I can't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, like, they... And they they continue series that aired on other networks, so... Like, years in the future, they will continue things. They just continued The Killing. Yeah, The Killing's back? The Killing's back. They finished it. Wow. Third season. But you have a situation with things like Stranger Things where 
you have eight episodes that show that could be it yeah if that's all the story they wanted to tell um, I, I mean if it wraps up nicely then maybe they can pull an american horror story and do mm-hmm. another you know or like a fargo or a true detective do another uh story you know just a completely other story yeah just something very very loosely related that's just a vignette in this world in which we kind of understand the rules yeah and that model of television is so appealing to me because it's like you get closure in one story, and then it's not as though you're you're gone from that world forever, because it just continues. Because I've never been particularly attached to stories. I think stories should end in a respectable amount of time. But I get very attached to worlds. I get very attached to the internal reasoning behind things. Like the first season of True Detective. And True Detective is an awful example of this, because the second season is garbage. Yeah. But you get very used to this feeling, this world, the way things work, the way night and day feel. You just want to live there a little bit longer than that season let you. Yeah. And so when the second one comes around, you've seen the story, you've you've seen the entire arc, and hopefully it was satisfying, then you can start another one. Yeah. That is a far more satisfying way to tell a story, in my opinion. That's why I think shows like American Horror Story work... Because the conceit is kind of always the same. They're going to do something in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. And they might use... They'll, they'll use a lot of the same actors. The ones they can get. The ones they can keep. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a completely new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to it's gonna behave a little bit differently. But ostensibly, the uh, the rules are the same. It's, you know, it's going to play with horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call those? Tropes? Tropes. Conceits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can do... You can do the exact same thing you want to do from a story continuation in a season that you can have this world with these rules, with these characters, but you can have an understanding with the audience that they have information that maybe the characters in this world don't have about previous incarnations of this show. Yeah. So you can play with that. You can make jokes. You can subvert how the audience feels it might work. And that won't necessarily rob a new audience of it. It's just something... For people who have seen it up until that point to enjoy. Like the second season of Fargo follows, you know, the cops. Have you seen the first season? I have seen the first season. Well, we follow her father Mm -hmm. who worked at the diner. We follow him when he's a cop. Mm -hmm. So it's like we know... The only thing we really know is that he lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something happens where he retires. Yeah. And we don't know up until that point. So, like, we've got a little hint about this character and his future. But... We have no idea what his past is like. And I mean, nothing about that is is robbed of a new viewer who's just watching the second season. Yeah. Which, why would you do that in the modern day when you can start a show essentially whenever? Yeah, it's true. Although Fargo's not really available anywhere. Is it not? Not that I know of. I think it's on Hulu. Oh, well, I don't count Hulu as a service. Cause Hulu! It has, it's got commercials. Yeah. Ads are dumb. I hate ads, man. Ad man. Ad man. Oh. But I thoroughly recommend Stranger Things. It's so far up my alley. It's crazy. Maybe you won't love it the way I do, but it's good. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Um, It seems to be pretty well received, so odds are people will enjoy it. Mm -hmm. As far as I've seen, the horror horror elements aren't to the level where it's like, I can't watch this. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, when it's strung out a little bit more, and it's probably going to pick up pretty soon... But uh, for now, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm more of like a suspenseful element within this greater mystery. Mm-hmm. 
Reminds me a lot of... What show was that? Oh, God, never mind. Reminds me a lot of Hemlock Grove. Oh. But that show's awful. Is it? Yes. Okay. It has werewolves and vampires and stuff. It's really weird. Sounds uh, good. But this one is a little more, as far as I can tell, based in reality. Hmm. It, uh, it, something I really appreciate about this show is it's this really tangible sense that it's just dangling over a cliff. That they have this this ability and this drive towards really dark things. Yeah. And it's just teetering over that. Okay. Very enjoyable. Watch that third episode. You'll, gonna, see, you'll see what I mean. I've been watching one episode a day, so... Watch it tonight. I will. Well, I recommend that show, and that brings us to the end of What Did You Watch? Yes, Bojack Horseman and Stranger Things. Watch Two, them both. Both available on Netflix. Hmm, are we shills for Netflix? Can we be? Yeah, please. Give us money? I mean, you just raised your rates by $2, so if you could... Oh, yeah, if you could throw in some money. If you could kick like 10 cents of that over to us, that'd be great. And how annoying is that, that every time I log in now, it it warns me that's going to happen. It it warned me of that, that I was like, oh, I thought I was paying that much anyway. I No, I was glad to be grandfathered into the old price. Mm. I thought that was going to last forever. No, no. I thought that's what grandfathered meant. No, it's just until you die. Or you become a grandfather. I have some bad news, Henry. I'm a grandfather. Here's your grandchild. Where's my real child? Eh. Where's my first child, I mean? I don't know. Where's my real... (laughs) Grandkids come into Grandpa Henry's house and he's like, No, where are my real children? Well, not, not you fake children. I don't want grandchildren. I want normal children. <laughs> yeah, not grandchildren. Grandiose children. They're oh. eating caviar out of their sippy cups. Where do they get off calling themselves grand? Oh, that's Grand Central Station. Like grandparents? They're not better. They're older and thus weaker. <laughs> old parents. <laughs> Call them old parents. Great great grandparents, dead parents. Oh, Jesus. If they're still alive, it'll be true eventually. Undead parents. <laughs> undead parents. Grand oh. grand grandparents, undead parents. Oh man, would grand uncles be dead uncles? Probably. Oh, the donkle. The <laughs> donkle stan. Man, we should do a supplemental reading about Gravity Falls at some point. We need to, and now we've got maybe a special guest to join us if we want that at that to happen. Okay. Sign to me who it is. Got it. Man, you're good at signing. Yeah. You know what else you're good at? Wrapping up the episode. I was going to say signing off, but... Oh, shit. I had a really good segue there, but... You know what? Take it from the top. Take it it from the top. All right, all right. You're really good at signing. You know what else you're good at? What? Wrapping up the episode. God damn it. Why would we we take it? You know what you're good at? (laughs) You gotta do the setup. Okay. Man, you're so good at signing. You know what else you're good at? What? Signing off of the episode. Yay. Yay. I interrupted, but we're going with it. Go with it. Oh! Hey, guys. uh, Clear out. We're done. Turn off your device. Uh, We're going to keep talking, but the episode's over. Uh, Get out of here. Twitter. Uh, Let them know about the Twitter. My my co-host here is... Is wanting me to mention Twitter. I think Twitter is like leftist media garbage now, but I'll go ahead and say you can contact us on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ. Just don't mention anything about the DNC or else it's going to get removed before we see it. 
because Twitter is left, you know, it's garbage. Yeah. Anyway. Deborah, whatever. Let's not talk about that. I don't want to, but Twitter has just been really mean lately. Yeah. But ZCPCWHJ will be some of the good guys on Twitter. And you know, if you don't want to bother with all that Twitter mess and we ain't set up a kick yet, you can message us with your email client. Send us an email from your work. Really, they'll pay you to send us an email. You could get paid to send us an email. At zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. We promise we will read it and maybe reply to it. No, we'll probably reply. We're pretty desperate. Oh, God, you said it now. Now they're not going to do it because they're like, oh, man, they're desperate. Please send us an email. And John set up a Facebook. Did I? I told them you were gonna do that last week huh funny how i did that i'll do that all right edit point i did it and edit point (laughs) is that for future yeah i'm just i can't talk about it right now we're still in this let's leave we're gone bye Bye. Bye. Life is composed of three deaths. Your first death is when you die, for you start dying. Your second death is when you die, for your body is dead. Your third death is when you die, for mm. then your memory has died.